Hello, everybody. Welcome to the, actually, it's a kind of a special edition here on the Energy News Beat podcast. I got a really big honor. I was able to be interviewed with Armando Cavana, and he is a legend in Brazil. I was on his podcast, and we're putting it out and writing a new story on it, and we're putting it out on the audio for the Energy News Beat channels. So uh, sit back and relax. And Armando is also on the energy transition with David Blackman, Irina Slav, uh, Tammy Nemeth. So they are fabulous. They're live every Monday and they are phenomenal, phenomenal industry experts. I'm just thrilled to have a discussion with Armando. Buckle up and enjoy the story of if Nord Stream did not happen or if Nord Stream could be be repaired. What about the geopolitical impact of the world with natural gas in the Europe? We covered a lot. So hang on and enjoy the show. Very special guest, George Thurman. He's president and CEO of Sandstone Group and podcaster, the famous podcaster in the world <laughs> in the energy. Yeah, he, he is really uh, out, out, out of any comments. Uh, spectacular. Good morning. It's a pleasure, my guru. Oh, Armando, thank you so much for your time. I just really appreciate you and your efforts as an industry thought leader. You're knocking it out of the park and uh, you with the energy transition and your other ones. I tried to listen to some of yours, but they were in Portuguese, I believe. I could not understand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I need to, to make a translation to English with legends. Yeah, it's not easy, but uh, a good a good. Uh, Stuart, please, let me share a very interesting uh, picture showing the quantity, the number of international sanctions imposed by the uh, UN and, and right. EU and United States. So, 13,000 13,000 different sanctions, something crazy. And here is a list of, of sanctions. I will not read, of course, and the letter is so small. Hey, the phone. But here's, I got a document of all the sanctions. <laughs> Oh my God! You have and so I was going through them, and some of them are just as nutty as you could possibly imagine. Um, uh, that is nuts. So when you take a look at Iran and the sanctions on Iran versus thirteen thousand, that's crazy. Uh, the um, sanctions started with the Obama administration. Uh, I did not realize that in the first rounds, uh, Obama started them. And then we had the fourth round and then in the United States we come down, we're in the 12th round of sanctions on uh, Russia. And and you know what's sad? Sanctions don't work. But sure, how how, how much effort is necessary to, to maintain the, the group of people taking care of sanctions, administrating sanctions? Something crazy. Oh, it is. And when you take a look at how the sanctions were brought on in 2022, uh, they actually sanctioned the tanker insurance agencies. And so when you go take a look, most of the tanker um, sanction, uh, tankers are uh, insured for their cargoes and 
in their shipping from the UK. Guess what's happening, Armando? <laughs> the BRICS is now kicking in. Yeah. People are now tra- uh, trading other than the petrodollar. Guess what else is happening? We also are seeing China, India, and others creating their own insurance companies, and they're bypassing the sanction. You over-weaponize any sanction from the UN, You oh, oh, the dollar, people go away from sanctions. Sanctions can only work for a very short period of time, and then guess who they hurt? Irina Slav says this all the time. <laughs> she says. They only get the consumer, and as yeah. I, I always say, uh, in a drive-thru, they always get you in a drive-thru when they don't put in the hamburger or the french fries or something, so I always say the consumers get it in the drive-thru. When they drive away, they don't have half their food. That's right. But, short, imagine that we can uh, remove all sanctions one time. What can happen with the world? Is better a, a, to the world. A couple different things. Um, if you remove the sanctions, not much would change right now. And the reason for that is the ball has already been put in place. It is now mo- moving. You have the inertia going to BRICS. You have the inertia going to BRICS Plus. You have the uh, Iran actually taught Russia how to avoid sanctions. And then Russia, Putin was over here going, hey, that's a good trick. And then they notched it up and even bypassed how uh, Iran was avoiding sanctions. So the mechanisms are in place, Armando. I love your thought. I do love your thought. If you wiped out sanctions right now, what would change? Not much. The ball is already rolling. How, how long you you see that can take, uh, let's see, attenuation of this effect? Um, years. Yeah, oh, yeah, years. I think that, do you remember when uh, the British sterling pound was the world's currency? And then it lost favor. And then the, I believe it was, you know, I right after that, then the petrodollar started coming in. I have to look at those dates. But England is still around and they're still an important person, but they lost uh, a huge chunk. I think you're going to see the U.S. dollar currency change. Now, this is about sanctions. Yeah, that's it's right. All, it all fleeds into the same thing. And I love your also your discussion of what happened if we did not have the war, right? I think there's two different questions that come up in the play on that question, Armando. Yeah. If we didn't have the war, um, the Nord Stream 1 and the Nord Stream 2, they can pump out 55 billion cubic meters of natural gas each. Yes, That's three, a, times, three times Brazilian production. That, yes, and, and so they can pump that out at, at that time. At the moment that it was destroyed, only three of the four pipelines, because the Nord Stream 1 has two, Nord Stream 2 has two, and one of those pipelines is still capable of, of working. So By the they, interior of Ukraine, no? Because it's, it's not, not by sea, but by the, 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 the land. This oh, no, uh, the, there are, there's a list of, let me get the list. There are, I have them right here. In the Nord Stream 1, through the Baltic Sea, still has one pipeline for um, 22.5 cubic uh, um, billion cubic meters uh, of gas a year is still capable, but it's not functioning. Wow. And so the the answer is if you remove sanctions and the war did not happen, you would have the 110 
10 billion cubic meters of gas available for Europe. Now, Spain is the number one LNG importer with all of their LNG facilities, their regasification plants and everything else. From the United States and Qatar? Yes. And so they're buying it all from Qatar and uh, the United States. But Asia is going to kick in and they're stealing some of these. So why are we seeing such long LNG contracts coming up, Armando? We're seeing those because energy security and people are afraid of what happened in in Russia. I mean, in in Germany, Europe played a a bad gamble. They were a bad gambler. Uh, In Brazil, do you have casinos? No, not yet. They are approving this (laughs) kind of thing. (laughs) Okay, great. I'll be down in a minute. Um, uh, But, you know, you actually did not um, uh, do a good job gambling. They said, oh, natural gas is so cheap. They didn't have any long-term contract. I don't, um, I've got a few other opinions on why the war started, but that, I don't know if you want me saying that publicly. (laughs) (laughs) Much we met in private communication. Yes. Um, And and so when you take a look at the worldwide structure, what we have, um, OPEC demand expects global oil demand and energy demand up by 23% by 2024. Today is a hundred million barrels a day, so increased to 120. Wow, my God, that that's a lot. And when you take a look in the last 40 years, I believe it's 40. I need to fact check myself. But for the renewable, we've spent five trillion dollars on renewable energy. We have only moved the bar two percent. Two percent. Ninety-eight percent of the world's energy is coal, oil, gas. Ninety-eight percent. We've only reduced it two percent five trillion dollars armando do you know what we could do with five trillion dollars in africa we could have brought energy to so many people that are energy poverty this drives me nuts and and stuart and the mining process that are increasing a lot duplicating our cost this two percent of, of of the energy oh uh, absolutely armando and and so some of the sanctions are actually so worthless even Putin sanctioned uh, um, Biden, I think, or he sanctioned the Biden. So, you know, sanctions are a joke. It would be like me telling you, um, I'm going to charge you $5 for every video that you do. How am I going to collect on that, right? Sanctions don't work. Now, the political mess there was when uh, Biden kind of almost hinted that he would approve. He said, I believe the quote, and I, I always need to fact check myself because I went to Oklahoma State University. There's a bunch of cows and everything else. Is that um, when uh, the somebody asked him about, he removed sanctions on the Nord Stream pipeline ship. So he actually approved the Nord Stream uh, completion. Mm -hmm. So here's the thing on that. Then somebody, I believe it was two months after that, asked him and said, how do you know that the Germany will not get uh, the the, uh, Nord Stream online. And he says, I have no doubt we have ways of making sure. And then sure enough, 
you know, and, and all of a sudden it's blown up. And there are so many theories about who blew up that. Who did? <laughs> and, and, and Putin, uh, who I do, Irina gets really tickled every time I do a Putin <laughs> yeah. imitation. She goes, you're a lousy Putin imitator. Yeah. But, you know, I sound more like a, a mob boss. But um, Russia or Ukraine or Russia was saying the Ukrainians had did it. OK, they did it with a sailboat. Right. You can't. Yeah, you can't get there. Putin asked, why would I blow up my own pipeline? Because I can blow up the head of it right here and, you know, nobody's going to use it. And then Biden goes, uh, yeah, we can take care of that. And so I don't have any real, but there's a lot of controversy out there. So, sure. who, who received the benefits of this, uh, uh, let's see, the problem with Nord Stream? The exporters? The LNG. LNG. Now, Armando, they don't approve um, renewables. They don't don't approve uh, new LNG facilities. They don't approve any of these things. So we have the climate activists who are not interested in getting energy poverty solved. We have the politicians not wanting to get it done. They're creating rules that are against all energy, not renew, not only oil and gas, it's renewables. It is the most confounded thing I've ever seen. How do you say... Um, Stupid in Portuguese. Stupido. <laughs> <laughs> Only the letter O is different. Uh, the, the same. It's the same thing almost in Spanish as well, too. Yes, uh, yes. Uh, uh, as as Biden administration, as muy estupido. So, you know. <laughs> I, it, it, But Stuart, tell me, tell me your perception. What's the probability between zero and 100? The sanctions can be removed, every sanction. You, you see something? No. There, They're too stupid. I'm going to be just flat honest. They don't care about the consumer. They don't understand sanctions. Sanctions are important. Let's take the Iranian sanctions for a moment. The sanctions against Iran were to stop them from building a nuclear bomb. Okay. Guess what they have? <laughs> uh, two months ago, they said that we're two days away from creating enough uh, fission material to create a nuclear bomb. So, Dangerous. Did any sanctions work against Iran? Not a single sanction. What has happened to the price of energy because of all the sanctions on the insurance carriers of London? The Dark Fleet showed up. Mm -hmm. The Dark Fleet, uh, they were, uh, Russia and several other countries were buying the old tanker. India, for example. Oh, yes. And, and so with those dark tankers, uh, India has been buying all the Russian oil they can get. And reselling to United States. <laughs> yes. And so Russian oil is going to Spain. It's being refined. And then the Northeast United States is buying refined products. Refined products are not sanctioned from Spain. Russia is still making their money off of their dollar. Now the, the Brent showed up this morning. I believe it was 84. I need to double check. Uh, the US WTI was coming up around, uh, yeah. I believe, 80 bucks. 80 something, 
Yeah. And and so when you take a look at that, the EU, Armando, when did they put in the sixty dollar uh, sanction uh, deal for Russian oil? He was already selling it below that to India and China. So uh, you mean that some groups or the government, I don't know, are maintaining this situation, this uh, let's see cross understanding to make money? Yes. And so um, uh, India, in fact, uh, the Northeast United States has been buying LNG from Russia, Trinidad, and uh, Qatar. Uh, wow. And making LNG to export? They buy it in. The uh, up, uh, uh, upper eastern corner of the United States has an LNG uh, facility that it, a regasification that imports LNG from those three countries, and they have the biggest, second biggest natural gas field sitting in the Marcellus formation one day drive. They could drop a pipeline in there and get rid of all their energy costs. Energy in the United States is buying from Russian sanctioned products. And Stuart, is some kind of contamination for ships, electronic ship with China. So it's a, it's a matter of a, a big problem because China has, let's see, a mining of uh, rare oh. earth and exactly. And the United States depends on on, on this uh, material and how does it work? Well, uh, that's a, almost a different little question, but let me throw this squirrel. Uh, they have squirrels in Brazil, right? Okay, just checking. But I'm going to throw this squirrel. We have a saying in Oklahoma is that if you get a squirrel in your engine, it doesn't work. So I'm going to throw this at you. There are There's now $37 billion worth of orders for LNG tankers. So you have those new contracts that, you, you, that we've talked about that you've been talking that are now in with China and Qatar and for 20 plus year contracts for LNG. The LNG, the who would put millions and billions of dollars into LNG carriers if there wasn't a long-term profit? Is that gas So enough? think about, do do what? Is, is there, are there a gas, a natural gas enough to make these exports a long time? Oh, absolutely. There is. And the US, yes, and there is enough. And then you have Shell and BP um, and Exxon. Guess what? Africa is the next big growth where all their CapEx is now going. Their capital expenditures is going to Africa. Armando, this is where I get really upset. They're taking African natural resources and taking it away from Africa. They're making money on it. And then we're selling renewable, higher cost renewable energy to Africa. We're loaning the money to them through the world economic forum. I mean, the world, uh, excuse me, the World International uh, Bank at a higher interest rate. We're then charging them. China's putting in nuclear, is now selling nuclear reactors, and it's taking advantage of Africa. And guess what? It's all because of sanctions. This, you nailed it when you were asking about sanctions. I'm sorry. Everything feeds back to sanctions and people not wanting to take care of energy poverty. And 
But sure, the amount of money United States is applying in Ukraine to send material and, and war material, why? Um, without you getting cannot. your show banned, I don't want to uh, go into it, but <laughs> I will tell you what other people said. And I have heard that um, I don't like Putin. I want that to be known. I don't approve of, it, of what he's no. doing. But he is concerned about NATO invading him. And everything that I'm seeing, and well, excuse me, what other people are saying is that why uh, Putin and uh, Zelensky were ready to sign a peace deal. NATO and the U.S. stopped it. I'm sorry. That's not, that's a fact. So I think we should give no more money to Ukraine and support signing a peace deal. Sure. So clear. So clear. And guess who wins? Yep. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> yeah. He's kind of re removed the war, remove, uh, re reconstruct a uh, pipeline, Nord Stream pipeline, and then remove sanctions. And, and so it's a new world. Why not? You have to also think, Armando, under the sanctions, that who else, you asked me, who benefited from the Nord Stream blowing up? Norway as well. Oh. Several years ago, Norway was shutting down their oil and gas field. And Norway has a lot. I love Norway. Uh, don't don't give me fantastic. Uh, you have Friar Battery up there. They have lots of uh, hydroelectric. They yeah. export a lot of their energy, their electricity around. Love Norway. They are but innovators and so. Uh, do what? Innovators. Oh, they I love it. A lot. They are I, I just, I, I, you can tell when I'm, I'm talking about Norway, I just kind of light up and I go, I want to go see uh, Brazil, Norway. I, I need to be traveling around. But Norway has uh, eight different pipelines from their natural gas fields, which a lot of folks have not talked about. They picked up, I believe, I have to fact check, but it was a significant amount, maybe even up to 10% of what uh, what Russia was supplying. It was a huge impact. Um, they have two ports that drop off in the UK, or excuse me, two different uh, sections. Part of it comes from the North Sea uh, and others come from their on land and then they fan out to uh, six others on the continent in in the U.S. I mean in in uh, in Europe. They picked up a lot of the slack. So Norway did was one of the ones that, that got taken advantage of that as well. Too does that make yeah. sense? Yeah, it makes sense. So and, uh, and the other countries like France, for instance, that has uh, nuclear power. Seventy percent of France is nuclear energy, and uh, Germany is going back to to coal. So <laughs> This equation cannot make sense for me. Uh, for neighbors with so different vision. Why? Why? Well, let me throw an, uh, a bigger squirrel in your engine uh, about France. France has 54 nuclear reactors, but yet they're only running at 25% capacity because they have spent no money on maintenance. Oh, my God. So because of the renewable energy targets that they were trying to hit, everybody looked at France as the clean energy experts, mm -hmm. and they were. But their price for energy has been going up as they're trying to move closer to renewables. I love renewables. I love wind. I love solar. If they're sustainable, that means sustainable without tax incentives, without higher prices. Hey, let's, let's talk about it. And I think that that's what people need to do. 
have that energy plant. Mm -hmm. And so France has really not helped Europe because before they were exporting electricity. They had extra capacity with those nuclear reactors. Uh, the, The United States has 92, I think, 92. We're not building them again and we're years away from even trying to do this again. Um, Copenhagen Atomics is is really cool. Tom, I believe it's Tom. I, I have to, uh, I, I interviewed him, Armando, and you oh, would love Kirkman. Yes. Uh, no, not Kerm, uh, Kirkman. The CEO of um, uh, uh, Copenhagen, Copenhagen Atomics. Yeah, I saw, I saw this. this uh, and he is building uh, modular reactors and it's very soon that they're going to start thorium reactors that can be built and they can ship 300 a year and they're portable the size of a shipping container. They can be dropped off at a coal plant and use the coal infrastructure and remove those. That is the most brilliant idea. Armando, how cool is that? You got nuclear and uh, the thorium reactors can use nuclear waste. Wow. Stuart, what do you prefer? Uh, Renewables like wind and solar with intermittence or nuclear with the risks and and everything that they talk about? I prefer both. uh, both. I'm going to stick with all forms of energy. I think think we need wind, solar, coal, but clean coal. And there is clean coal. You can scrub it. You can. Oil and gas are by far, the United States has reduced its emissions better than any other country in the world because the EIA put out a report in January and said because of natural gas. Oh, in the last because technologies that are being applied to remove CO2 no, because coal plants are being replaced by natural gas plants. Oh, not because of renewables. It's a fantastic information. No, now Armando, in areas where it makes sense, like Hawaii, they have to import all forms of energy. Wind and solar in Hawaii make sense. Absolutely wonderful sense. Um, energy storage, and I think we're a little off topic, and I'm so sorry. Um, no, it's fantastic. Please go uh, In Texas, uh, ERCOT is the, in, they have three main sections in the U.S. for power grids, and David uh, can correct me on this. David, I love uh, David. He is so smart. Um, David Blackman. Yeah, he's great. I want to grow up to be like David Blackman someday. So, you know, uh, I don't think I could ever get that smart. So, uh, but um, ERCOT is one of three main divisions of energy grid uh, in the United States. ERCOT is looking at adding storage, which is a great thing to help uh, mitigate ups and downs. So I'm all in, but Armando, I want to give a shout out to Frere uh, Battery out of Norway because they're the only ones that are building re- uh, recyclable batteries right now for energy storage for big energy plants. So I'm a big recycler. I'm a big, uh, let's use natural gas from waste. You know, the folks uh, like Green Lily Energy are making natural gas, renewable natural gas from waste dumps. How cool is that? I'm all about the environment and energy poverty. Did I answer your question? Your concept is is very interesting because we need all energies in different ways, but we need all of them. Yes. This is a great 
conclusion. Uh, and and I don't care. But my take is we have to deliver the lowest cost kilowatt per hour to all people of the planet to eliminate energy poverty through development of the energy that has the least impact on the environment and is sustainable at, through market prices. Oh, you take a look at that one state that I like as my quote, what do I do for energy? You have to not print money. You cannot print money. You have to be able to give the consumers reasonable energy prices. You have to use good energy policies to not pollute. Let's give you a pollution and that is taking critical minerals from the Congo in children. You can't do that. So Armando, I will stand up on anybody's stage, on anybody's topic, and I'll say that sentence again and say, can your power supply do this? Can your energy project do this? If yes or no, let's talk about it. Let's talk about data. Data. And and I think that answers your question on what is my belief on what kind of power we we want to use, right? That's right. (laughs) But there is a question that I have for you. The climate emergency. What? How do you see this climate alarm? Um, The climate alarmists are religious and they do not want to hear fact. You know what? I love um, the oil and gas uh, people around the world because they will talk. They will say, okay, great. They're they're open to it. In fact, like Occidental Petroleum has now started a huge chunk getting into a $4 trillion marketplace for carbon capture. Yay, let's do carbon capture. But on the other hand, if they are protesters, which I get tickled at the protesters, the climate activist protesters that glued their hands to road. Did you see the article this past week? It was this weekend. Two people glued their hands in Europe to the road and had to have their hands amputated because it was cement. And so they lost their hands because they were dumb enough. Oh, my God. So, Armando, you got an iPhone? Yes. Okay. You got computers? Yes. Okay. Your staircase behind you? How much (laughs) of that your food is brought to you by oil and gas? 2% has only been renewable. Yeah. Only for energy, not products. So, anyway, uh, I think that they're a religious group of people that are misguided and need to understand. Now, Armando, what I'm seeing is a combination of people waking up to the climate alarmist for the first time in years. And I want to say this, and now I ask you a couple questions on this. And and, and, uh, a podcast host to a podcast host, and I'm going to, I need to ask you questions. Um, In the ESG financial front, you take a look at BlackRock lost $1.7 trillion last year in the first half of the year. The energy hypocrisy is that BlackRock has been investing in oil and gas. They just sold a pipeline out of the Middle East to try to clean up their books a little bit. I got a question. I didn't see it on a lot of the reports in in BlackRock. They even had a pipeline over there. So, you know, so you take a look at the ESG investors, Shell, uh, and you take a look at Total Energy. My French is terrible, Um, but Total Energy and all those, Exxon, BP, they're all migrating 
back to increasing their oil and gas uh, development funds, their CapEx, and they're reducing their um, paying out for renewable projects. Why? Because because the investors are demanding their money. So if you take a look at investors demanding their money back, we have a recession because of printing money around the world. The investors are demanding their money and they're tired of the paying for the ESG uh, funds. And so then you have, not only do you have that awakening among the investors, the investors in the lack of money is now I'm seeing a awakening of people going, wait a minute, the climate crisis is full of hypocrisy and possibly may even be a farce. Take John Kerry. He went over to China. Oh my goodness. Uh, I remember sitting in front of a TV watching John Kerry talk in front of Congress about Vietnam vets and my dad was over in Vietnam and a fighter being shot at. Do you think I'm real interested? Okay, I just side side regrets. Anyway, John Kerry went to China to try to talk China into not producing two coal fire plants a week in China. So the answer is, I think between the money happening first and then the other people, it's bleeding over that I think that there is an awakening going on uh, and that the climate activism folks are finally going, I can either lose a hand, uh, you know, while I'm putting my hand on the pavement being stupid or I can kind of go, I can't afford energy. What do you think? <laughs> I think that people are looking for their interest and yep. not for the, the, the good for the country of the, the world population. They are seeing the most benefits that they can they can take. And uh, this is a big problem. It's not only for John, John Kerry. The, uh, it's it's uh, from Ursula, Ursula van der Leyen. Yes. Uh, Antonio Guterres. All of these people, I think that they are in a group of decision that's not to be benefit to the world, it's benefit for themselves. Oh, absolutely. Armando, you, you nailed it. Absolutely nailed it. People, it's like you and I talked about just a second ago. People don't care about the energy poor, the energy poverty going on in the world. It drives me nuts. Uh, I've helped the homeless folks a lot in Oklahoma City for years, and it breaks my heart that you have homeless, you have energy poverty, you have energy bringing up people. Take Pakistan. Pakistan, oh, kids were carrying bags of natural gas, and then they didn't even get an LNG shipment in because it was stolen by another group in, in Asia. And and they've got energy poverty in Pakistan, and it breaks my heart for all the folks in Pakistan. Does that make sense? It's impressive. It's impressive. How, how can these people do things like that? So, um, there's no words. But let's go to the conclusion. It's, okay. Uh, let's see if you agree with me. First, Stuart Turley said that's not likely uh, we can remove sanctions very fast. Second, Nord Stream uh, will be still without working for a long time. Exactly. <laughs> Ukraine and Russia, they cannot sign a peace uh, agreement because other force right. do not allow them. Uh, we need all energy yes. and we need to take care of the climate without all 
I missed. Right. I, I, <laughs> you nailed it. See, we just had a 41 minute conversation and you could have ended this. And anybody listening to this is going to go Armando or Stuart. I'm going to take Armando because he actually, he, you nailed it, Armando. No. Thank you so much. My people see, this is my guru, Stuart Turley. He's an intellectual sponsor for the group of uh, Energy Transition with Gustavo Robichet of uh, Catholic University in Rio de Janeiro. So, uh, so many thanks. I, I'm very proud to have you here in my podcast. Oh, thank you so much. And as soon as this is published out, I'll have my team share it and we'll try to get the word out for you because you, Armando, are making a difference around the world. I see your reports on how many people around the world your uh, podcast is being downloaded in, I believe it's 62 countries right now. So you are also on track. You're a major contributor in the Sandstone group. We are hitting a million downloads as a group, uh, I think in September. So you are an important part of it. I'm your friend. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Armando. Talk to you soon. We will soon. Bye-bye.